Hi, everyone. Hi, everyone. My name is Sambal Siddiqui. I'm the mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, the vice mayor. And this is our weekly podcast, Women Are Here. Hello. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. It's really hot out. Have you been outside? TGIF. TGIF. I have been outside. You know what I did today? What? I had a 9 a.m. I had a 9.30. I then had to go read to a bunch of cute kids. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Outside of the, the library. And I read this great book called Fatima's Outdoors by Ebreen Tariq. And it's all about like her family going on a camping trip. And okay. were there a lot of kids there? Yeah, a good amount. A good amount. Yeah. Um, I know. I was asked to, I was also asked to read at that cute looking event. And I, I have been like on a meeting or in a meeting since 7.30 this morning. Oh my gosh. I know. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So I'm like ready for the weekend. I mean, whatever a weekend is. <laughs> What's a weekend? And then, and then I had to go to a ribbon cutting for Halal Guys. Oh, where was, was that? That was their opening in the Port Mall. Oh my gosh. I saw that was coming. That's so exciting. Huge line, huge line. Did you get something to eat? No, I didn't. They offered and I was like, no, no, it's okay. Um, but they're all Pakistani and I was talking to them in Urdu and like, it was really nice. It was really fun. They're um, like the Zoots, the place where the dry cleaner used to yeah, be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw there's, I, a, there's, there's a couple restaurants going in there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, are they in the zoo? I don't, they're at 15 White Street. <laughs> oh, okay. That's not what I'm thinking of then. There's right next to Panera. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I saw the anyway. and I was like, mm, I can't wait for. Yeah, yeah, they're so happy. So that was cool. So that was a nice ribbon cutting. Anyway, all that to say, I'm BBD, and um, broken. No, busted. Busted, broken, and defeated. Dejected. Dejected. I I, guess thought... it could... <laughs> I think it could be anything. I think it could be any. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I took your recommendation from last week, and I started watching White Lotus. Oh my gosh, what do you think? I think it's so bizarre and funny. <laughs> it gets like the you're on you were on episode four. Oh, I the mom. I met the mom. Oh my god, Molly Shannon. She's amazing. I think she doesn't have a script. I no, think just like totally making it up as she goes along. Is it is it weird that Connie's character reminds me of you? <laughs> I mean, because she's so beautiful and her hair is exactly so exactly. The fact that she has a complete lack of empathy for her entire family. <laughs> Which... No, I know you definitely have empathy, but some <laughs> of the mannerisms, I'm like, that's, it just reminds me, I'm like, that's Alana. <laughs> you know that I have like, I have serious hair envy when it comes to Connie Britton. She's amazing. She's one of, she's one of my favorites. She's very like, you know, underrated, I think. Totally. And I just did see, I flashed on a, uh, Netflix last night Friday night lights is back on Netflix did you ever see that oh so good oh I mean that's where I fell in love with her hair (laughs) oh yeah and then she was on Nashville yes which I like didn't love as much yeah me on that show that we both watched which was trash so bad trash Chicago fire no oh okay wait Chicago fire is actually very very good nine one one Oh yes, nine one one. Trash. 
show. Anyway, all right. <laughs> um, she was what the uh the like the dispatch, right? Yeah, I mean her hair still looked good, but trash. Oh, it was such a bad show. <laughs> oh my god, why did we watch show it? We both watched the whole thing. Okay, okay. We have <laughs> okay. We have to get to serious, serious things. Serious, serious, serious. Yes, go ahead. Here we go. Okay, so. Um, we had a city council meeting that we will get to. We've got some school committee stuff to talk about, but before we do that, we'll do a little quick COVID update. Um, as we have all been seeing the new COVID-19 infections among Cambridge residents continue to rise with a total of 238 confirmed and probable cases reported for the month of July. Over five times as many Cambridge residents tested positive for COVID-19 in July as compared to June, um, which is, I think it's mirroring sort of some national trends, but the city and the public health department are closely monitoring the COVID-19 case trends in Cambridge and the Commonwealth and will continue to issue updates and guidance to the community. Given the concerns about the highly contagious Delta variant and the potential for fully vaccinated people to transmit the virus, the Cambridge Public Health Department recommends residents vaccinated and not wear a mask when indoors. I've gone back to wearing a mask uh, indoors percent of the time um especially to be able to protect all of those you know kids under 12 and and folks who are are medically vulnerable or um you know have medical conditions that the vaccination isn't quite covering yeah definitely i've done i've done the same um and if you're curious curious the the vaccination updates we have as of august 3rd 74 percent of cambridge residents had received at least one dose of the vaccine. So we still have about 67% of residents who are fully vaccinated according to the state's weekly COVID-19 municipality vaccination report. This past week, the Cambridge Public Health Department, Cambridge Public Schools and Cambridge Health Alliance, we held a uh, second summer vaccination clinic for people uh, age 12 and older. It happened August 5th, uh, August 4th and I dropped by uh, quickly at the, the King Open School. Um, so staff administered 51 doses at the clinic. Um, individuals who received their first doses at the summer clinic were told in advance they, they would need to find another location for their second dose, which is easier than it used to be. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you just go into CVS, you can just quickly right. type in, you need your second dose and they'll, they'll schedule you. I did see that the, the VaxFest is coming um, to Fort yeah. Pride Day, um, not tomorrow, uh, but next Saturday, the 14th. So um, that's really exciting that we'll have the VaxFest. Hopefully we'll get some people vaccinated there. Um, For sure. You know, I feel like that 67% of residents, like that hasn't moved. No in a number of weeks. So um, it's just some, just an interesting fact. Uh, but in terms of testing, we've heard from so many people um, that the need for uh, additional days of testing is so critical. I've, I'm sure you get these photos uh, from residents for like, I'm standing in the line at Humerside Galleria. I've been here for an hour. So um, just to give people just a kind of snapshot of what things look like in July, there were 3,314 tests administered at the city runs Cambridge sites. In August already, um, 911 tests were administered at the Cambridge side site on August 2nd. So 3,314 in all of July, 
uh, and then 911 uh, just on one day in August. So starting this Sunday, thank you, Mayor Siddiqui, for um, prioritizing this uh, with the city manager's office and the health department. Starting this Sunday, August 8th, the city will offer a third day of testing every Sunday at 50 Church Street from 2 to 6 p.m. And then the testing at the Cambridge side will continue on Mondays and Thursdays. So now we've got three days of testing. Um, but I, I mean, I think it's probably not going to be long more. Um, where we're going to need more because what I'm, the problem is when you, when you need a test and either the line's too long or it isn't one of those days, the only place you can really find a test now, even like at CVS and Walgreens, they're booking out days in advance. Um, you can go to Carewell the same day for $160. So, you know, if you have the means, you can get a COVID test. And if you don't, you can't. So I'm, I'm sure we will um, be ne needing to add more days very soon. Yeah, definitely. So it's, um, things are changing. So we have to really, I think, I think everyone was like, oh, you know, even a month ago, month and a half, it was, things were okay. Right. And so, but um, going from seven day a week testing to one day, I don't think was the right <laughs> move. Um, so that's why we immediately pivoted to, to, to add more. And now I'm hoping we'll get one in um, North Cambridge uh, so that we just have more access for folks, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> remember a month ago? Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my God, I know. Oh the my God. Halcyon days of a month ago where everything right? was brighter and better. Yeah, so it's interesting. Like, I mean, we've been doing this for a year and a half, but it still like amazes me that every day, every week, every month is so different. But I, I just know, thought, I, I just know. watched this video of um, a physician at one of the largest hospitals in Louisiana talking about how the hospitals are just full all the ICU beds are full and yeah. she was like begging people to get vaccinated because she was saying you know two two weeks ago those folks that got vaccinated I'll never see them in my hospital for COVID-19 you go out today two weeks from now I'll never see you in my but she's like I there's nothing that I can do right now this is the darkest days of the pandemic um which is an extraordinary statement yeah. Right. Thinking yeah. that we've been in this now for 18 months. We have a vaccine. People have masks and it is the darkest day for her. So really, we got to get these vaccines. Uh, we got to get people vaccinated. There's this um, like city leadership initiative that I've been involved with. It's through like Bloomberg, um, Harvard, and they have gotten together mayors from like around the world pretty much very consistently throughout the pandemic but like literally in may june they were like well we're gonna just retire you know take take care we'll only get together if we really need to but it was just this is optimistic like right great job bye and then we had a it was a call yes uh, on thursday yesterday and it was just like here we are again you know and it, everyone is just like you know you know asking questions around vaccine outreach vaccine mandates asking about mask mandates, like everywhere is just so different. Um, but it really hit me. I was like, wow, this is, yeah, it's, it's going to be, you know, it's still going to continue to change. And we still have now have to really think around some key, um, key things during this, um, what the phases, you know, the Delta surge as everyone's calling it. But um, anyway, we, we, there was a few um, council and school committee topics around these areas. So 
So we'll, yeah, we'll get to those. Um, so we had a meeting on uh, Monday night, a city council meeting. We have our, we have one summer meeting that happens either late July or early August. And we had that Monday night and it was, um, it was interesting. We, we got out before 10 o'clock, which I don't think has ever happened um, the whole time I've been on council that that summer meeting was so short. Um, but before the meeting, there were a couple of rallies that took place on city hall lawn. One was organized um, by our youth uh, against the gun violence that's been happening. And there were a tremendous amount of people that showed up for that in support of that and, and demanding that the city take more action um, around the gun violence that's happening and supporting our youth and young adults. And there were some really powerful speakers there. Um, Bobby Favreau's grandmother was there. Xavier Louis-Jacques' mom, Rachel, was there. And just listening to them it was just so heartbreaking. Uh, it was yeah. just so, so, so heavy, especially um, Rachelle and, and Bobby's grandmother, just because it was, the pain was just so recent and raw. Uh -huh. And, um, you know, I think there is a tremendous groundswell of, of energy um, to try to figure out how to support our youth in this moment. Um, while at the same time trying to work on remediating the gun violence that is still happening. I mean, I feel like a couple of days this week, we've, we've woken up one day in particular where there, you know, there was a bunch of cars that had been hit by gunfire overnight. And, you know, I think the thing that I'm starting to understand is that a lot of people in the city don't even understand that this is happening. Yeah. And so the, the rally, I think, was really important around trying to understand and making sure that, you know, it's front and center for a lot of people um, and keeping that heat up um, both on the city and the city council to, to really work on this issue as, as hard as we work on other issues, I guess, was kind Absolutely. of the call. Um, you know, somebody made the point, you know, we've got we've got a really strong protection for trees. We've got an ordinance, we've got resources. The city council has spent a lot of time um, putting together laws that protect our trees and that we have not done the same for our young people and our young adults, I think is really the rallying cry that the same amount of resources, the same amount of time, the same amount of energy and dedication and laws and it should really be directed to our young people because as you know, Bobby Favreau's grandmother said, you know, you can always plant a new tree, um, but I can't ever get my grandson back. And for me, that was incredibly powerful and not that this is a binary conversation at all, but um, I think the point was really made that like Absolutely, yeah. and those supports and um, resources around our young people. No, no, yeah, well, well said. I, we both had to leave, um, unfortunately, early. So I, I think um, we missed most of, I think we, we listened to a few speakers and then I think, um, did I listen? Yeah, I don't, I think maybe I listened to three, four and then I, unfortunately it was 5.30 and the clerk texted me being like, where are you? I know, and I was, coming. I was running home um, and <laughs> I was late jumping on the Zoom, but I just felt so bad leaving yeah it's like really heartfelt speeches it just felt like so wrong to leave and so I was very very torn um but yet you know what was so interesting for me was you know 
both of those rallies were happening. The tree rally happened after, but when I showed up and maybe people came later, but when I showed up, it seemed like 99% of the people that were there on city hall lawn were for the gun violence rally. And the smaller group was for the tree protection rally. But in public comment, I felt like, am I wrong? Like I felt like it was switched, right? That the majority of the people that called in were around trees and tree protection. And then there was a smaller percentage to call in around the policy orders that we put in um, around protecting our young people and around the gun violence. So it was really interesting for me to see that kind of. Yeah. I think, I mean, there were some speakers that just, we never came, you know, I think had signed up and didn't come back. Right, because um, we were at the rally. Right, at the rally, or some people just, you know, I know I got a few, like, uh, you know, people just couldn't make it um, for whatever reason, but yeah, yeah. I thought there was, I think there was a good amount of testimony around uh, Friday Night Hype, so, Hype, though, and some good calls. Oh, for sure, for sure. yeah. yeah. Um, and so um, in terms of policy orders, we, there were a couple really interesting ones on, um, you want yeah. to talk? talk start yeah. talking one of the ones I sponsored with Councilor Simmons, um, I think it's been in the, pro this work has been going on since I think February of 2020, <laughs> way back when. Um, and it's all about uh, changing the Agassiz neighborhood name to the, Mar to the Mariah Baldwin neighborhood. and working with, uh, really this came organically from Maya Counter, who's a former CRLS student. She's now at Harvard, um, who's grown up in Cambridge and her work um, with um, several others, inc including um, Huebe um, uh, and- I love her. Yeah, she's she's great. She always hypes us up on Twitter. Um, <laughs> I know, thank I know. You, thank you. Um, <laughs> And so both of them, you know, they've been active. I put, you know, we, we made those connections together and Maya worked with her um, and the neighborhood um, council group. And um, we had originally talked about this renaming, um, you know, as I said, over a year ago and the process got started, city got involved. Um, and that this second um, order was really asking the city council to the, really endorse this idea of changing the name of the neighborhood. Um, as you, you know, listeners may know, the neighborhood's current namesake has, uh, you know, connections to white supremacy. So the Agassiz Neighborhood Council with Maya convened a series of discussions on a possible name change with um, the Baldwin neighborhood being a popular choice. At our last meeting, uh, which was in June, Councilor Nolan had exercised her charter right to ensure more neighborhood residents could be reached um, this week. The, you know, we, we all voted in favor um, to endorse the name change. Uh, and we were, we, all, we actually got a lot of um, emails on the topic, um, positive emails from many um, to uh, really, uh, you know, really um, do this um, and uh, really denounce um, the, the Agassiz name and the, you know, white supremacy and uplift uh, the legacy of Baldwin, you know, who was a really just a true leader and innovator in the education field. So we're happy to do that. I was happy to work on this for the last two years. Yeah, I was glad to see it passed. Um, you know, we, I got this email from my accountant, like, please, please, please make sure there's a vote on it. On, on We've been working on this so hard and it's so important, this name change. And um, Councillor Simmons was saying that she remembers when she was on the school committee, 
when the Mariah Baldwin School on Oxford in Sacramento used to be called the Agassiz School. And yeah. another CRLS student who, um, you know, really drove the, the name change from Agassiz to Baldwin. So for her, she was saying, you know, it was really such a nice moment for her to like, uh, now the neighborhood is going to be changed the name um, due to another CRLS student who was driven to make sure that Mariah Baldwin was uplifted and, um, and honored. Yeah. Yeah, that was exciting. Um, another policy order that was on on Monday night that we um, worked on together was some city funding for Friday Night Hype, which is um, a you know this awesome program for middle school students that gathers them together. They you know they have mentors, they have activities, they do they usually have a, a motivational speaker, um, but they do it. It's uh, you know for Cambridge Public School employees who you know do it on their own time um, and, you know, rely on donations. And, uh, you know, this is a this is a program that I think you and I were both at last Saturday and it was really, really fun. I made an amazing tie-dye <laughs> shirt, uh, which I was pretty, pretty proud of. But I mean, it was really just so great to see um, so many of the young people on Saturday getting together and having really so much fun. You were so into it. I was like, hey, Ilana. And you were like, I'm tie-dyeing, you know? <laughs> tie-dyeing. <laughs> right. So like we've been talking in the community about like, how do we support our young people and our young adults with like healthy programming? And how do we create these programs? And, you know, we were like, hold up. There's, you know, these great programs that exist that we could actually advocate for city funding and then um, really make sure that they can not only do continue doing what they're doing, but maybe expand to have, you know, different grades or, you know, really talk about gun violence prevention. Um, it's just that these organizations, sometimes they're entirely funded through donations, uh, but with a stable funding stream from the city, it could help, you know, expand to help meet our growing needs and leverage those existing community ties with our residents to reach as many young people as possible. You know, I, I watched the community mentors that were there, that greet mm -hmm. kids by name, they knew who they were. They were like, how's mom? Um, and then kids who, who weren't known by the mentors, they spent, you know, those, those hours really getting to know them and, and making those connections. I think that's really what it's about. It's like connecting our young people to people in the community who are, are awesome um, right. and doing great things and like coaching and, and getting them into sports or getting them into this program or just being that connection outside their house, like of like a cool like interested person in their life like there's there's nothing like that right, you know? right. yeah right? I know it's great I'm sure you um, have like a million mentors in the community that looked out for you definitely definitely um we also you know talked about another policy order that was filed by uh, you Councillor Simmons Councillor McGovern I was also a sponsor um that uh, asked for and advocates for a comprehensive and multifaceted approach to addressing the recent uptick in gun violence in our community. So specifically, we've called for, you know, the city and Semero's leadership to develop solutions uh, together to end the cycle of violence between our communities. We've asked for mental health support for those who've been impacted by gun violence, including an emergency drop-in clinic. Uh, we're calling for engaging with residents to identify and close gaps in our social systems that are the root causes of gun violence. 
And we've also asked for a targeted program for at-risk young people to provide much needed intensive support services to get them on the right path. Uh, as we, we've both talked about and we talked about a lot, um, you know, in, in so many meetings that we've had the last, when, the last few weeks, the city is really at this critical juncture. Um, and with um, these, these goals and these investments, I think we'll be able to support and protect our kids um, in the holistic ways they need. Yeah, I, we were talking about this on Monday night and I was like, I think we really, what I'm hearing from the community is two things. One, we need to be action oriented. Like no one, everyone's done talking. No more talking. Um, yeah, I don't want to listen to your voice. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no more talking. Um, nobody <laughs> wants to go to more meetings. We know what needs to be done. Here are the things that need to be done. Um, but then I also, one of the things that has been really, I've been deeply feeling from the community is like, we can't continue to just blame um, these young adults in our community for just being victims of trauma. Um, we didn't take care of them, right? I say this, we've said it a number of times, like these are, these are kids that have been in our community that we know um, have needed some help. And as a city, we have not created that network to ensure that nobody slips through the cracks. So I think those are like the things that I'm taking with me through my day that now <laughs> starts at 7.30 in the morning and ends very late at night where we're just like talking to people and saying, okay, how do we be really action oriented um, so that we lay that groundwork so we're not here in this cycle every every year, right? And saying, gosh, I wonder how to fix this. Like, it's time, I'm ready. Yeah. So those were two um, policy orders that we worked on um, to really address some of the gun violence that's been happening in the community. And then we also, as we discussed earlier, um, there has been a, an uptake of COVID cases, much like the rest of the United States and, you know, city prides itself on data-driven decision-making. And so we need to really think about how we're aligning our policies with the evidence that we're seeing. So. Councillor Nolan, Councillor Sabrina Wheeler, yourself, um, and myself <laughs> sponsored this order to ask a report on really how the city is gonna be working to get municipal staff vaccinated to minimize transmission and protect our vulnerable you know, residents and neighbors, especially who can't be vaccinated to age requirements uh, for medical reasons. So, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, school staff needs to be included in when we talk about city staff, we don't always think about school staff as being city staff, but they are. Um, so that we amended the policy order to clarify that we do mean anyone who works for the city, including the schools, how are we developing a plan to make sure that we have 100% um, vaccinations for those city staff members? It's, it's becoming very clear that there, this virus is going to continue dominating our lives if we are, don't start really mandating uh, vaccinations. I saw, I actually was reading in the paper this morning that Grendel's Den in Harvard Square is requiring proof of vaccination to eat at their restaurant inside. So is Pegu and Tracy's gotten, I've been, I don't know if you follow her on Instagram, but the messages she's getting are pretty- Terrible. Horrible, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you, 
you had an op-ed in the globe this week about the our Cambridge rise program and guaranteed income and the child tax credit and making it permanent um and i saw that ed markey posted it on facebook wow comments wow <laughs> wow it's horrible amazing. horrible um you know i just at this point i just think we should all just walk away from facebook i know i know i'm like who are these people i'm like oh well they exist so anyways if you're out there um and you're looking for a great restaurant to patronize this weekend uh sounds like grendel's den and pagu uh and central are your are your choices there i'm sure that they are getting a tremendous amount of flack for for trying to protect their patrons and and the greater community. So if you're looking for a place to eat this weekend, make sure um, you give them a little love. Yeah, definitely. There were a few other things that were discussed on uh, Monday. It's a blur. It's a blur. Um, it was a short, long meeting. <laughs> right. <laughs> I never thought I'd use the word Zoom, my Zoom chamber. This is my Zoom chamber, okay? You know. <laughs> I enjoyed you um, really making that sort of think up on the fly right yeah you like that yeah yeah <laughs> i was like you know <laughs> my zoom chamber yeah, oh gosh got a little out of control at one point but i thought you did a good job uh reining that all back in and um yeah. Yeah. i did enjoy i'm gonna get you a t-shirt that says this is my zoom chamber oh my gosh the covid mayor right, <laughs> right, right. um uh, so on tuesday i had a meeting at school committee um which, you know, we had a good amount of public comment um, and it was all around um, basically updating our COVID-19 safety and facilities manual. And um, the details are, are online, but the, basically the big uh, bulk of that and where the public comment came in was uh, whether or not to require masks. And the committee, you know, all of us, we voted in favor of requiring masks indoors um, we were we're, we're going to revisit the policy no later than January based on you know um, community health uh, conditions and so forth. But we all felt that this was the you know the reasonable place to start. You know there were a few public comments where there is a big disagreement about masks and oh I watched it oh yeah. Well, yeah yeah you texted me um, you know the whole like this is child abuse like. I, I you know, as chair, you know, my duty is to be fair and listen, um, but th that kind of stuff is so hard. I'm just like, what? You know, I'm like, how is, I just, I really strongly disagree. <laughs> um, and I regret not saying more at the meeting about that. I was just getting through it, but um, that was our big, big requiring mass. Um, what did you think? Um. You know, I thought there were some thoughtful comments around the metrics by which you would decide not to require masks mm -hmm. anymore, right? Like, I think, I think some of those comments were deeply rooted in, um, you know, what happened last year, right? Like, how do we, how do we move through in and out of requiring masks or not requiring masks, requiring tests, not requiring tests, right? Like, I think we have learned some lessons, and I thought it was. I mean, I think it was a really good idea to say, we're just gonna do it until January and revisit. I mean, quite honestly, my daughter is at camp right now in person mm -hmm. camp and she's wearing a mask. She's fine wearing a mask. Like to say that all of a sudden three weeks from now, we're gonna go back to school and not require masks. 
while all summer, all these kids in camp in our schools are required to wear masks. They don't, they're not vaccinated, right? All of our elementary school students are not vaccinated. Mm-hmm. And like, we've got a Delta variant and like, I'm hearing about Delta plus, right? Like, right. I, I just think it would be irresponsible for us to say, well, starting September 9th, you're fine not to wear a mask inside, even though you wore one all summer in our buildings. Like yeah. there's yeah. nothing, there's no metric that has changed that in a positive mm-hmm. direction. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, people have very strong feelings when it ha- comes to their children. And I appreciate that. Um, my strong feeling is that we should um, really look out for our kids right now. We don't know. Sure. Um, and they're used to wearing them. So I, I guess I was, yeah. I was more yeah. in line of the, the recommendations from uh, Dr. Greer. And I was glad to see that you guys um, voted to move them forward from what I heard from all of my friends who are parents were like, well, of course we didn't call in because we know that the school committee is going to follow these recommendations. <laughs> they make sense. Like there yeah. were a lot of people who were like, they would have been shocked had you guys not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, of course. I mean, it was always the, we've been talking about it for, you know, weeks at this point. So, um, or even longer than that, you know, even as the school year was before it was going to start. Um, so. And also, I mean, I don't know if you've been going inside places. All the employees now are wearing masks again. Yeah, restaurant you go into, mm-hmm. uh, Star Market, like all the employees are wearing masks. I know. My mom was like, "Masks are back," and I'm like, "Good. Well, you better wear it." Right. Um, so, I mean, I I think people are now. Yeah, I, I think now where we're getting, you know, I'm getting a lot of emails, and you probably are too, just about what the city is going to do as an overall policy, right? Um, mask mandate and all that stuff. Same with you know, it came up Tuesday night, um, vaccine mandate, right? And so we still, there's still, we're just on letting the public know there's, um, I think we, there, we, we, there's no, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We don't have an answer <laughs> on some of this yet um, with respect to schools and requiring vaccination. Some of what we discussed on um, Monday or Tuesday night, I'm sorry, was just around, if we were to mandate this, it's a it's it's a thorny like personnel legal issue, and you know essentially there's stuff around negotiation. The list goes on from what um, the legal counsel has said, um, but that's not to say that um, we're not looking into some of that those questions and so forth. Well, and my question is, once the I mean, once these are approved and they're not emergency authorizations, yeah. then they will be become part of the immunity mm-hmm. record, right? Like it's really this weird part that we're in right exactly. now. Exactly. So, you know, people are like, well, I, I'm, you know, I'm definitely upset at myself. Like next month, not next month, like three weeks from now, I'm going to have to provide an immunization record, up-to-date immunization record for both of my kids so that they can step foot into schools on day one. But because these are just emergency youth authorizations. We can't require that right now. So anyways, we're in this weird gray area. And because the governor isn't going to require mm-hmm. it, <laughs> because the governor seems to be very hands-off again about- again. That's so not surprising. Yeah, I'm Desi. 
It's like, do this, do that. You don't, you don't have to do it. Oh gosh. They're just. Anyway. Yeah. So that's where all that is. And so that's another constantly evolving situation, but my, I've just been, my family and I are masking up inside. Um, here we, here, because we're I, back. I we're don't back. want, I don't want to, I think none of us want to get to a place where we have to shut down again. Of right. Of course. Yeah. So anyway, anyway, we're not, we're not going that. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, that was the big discussion. So um, we had another committee hearing. Um, what day was it? <laughs> what day is it now? Um, I believe Friday? it was Wednesday. So we have been, as people know, maybe you're a first time listener, just getting involved. Um, we will be looking for another city manager. Uh, Louis DePasquale's contract is up uh, June 30th next year. And so we have started the process of um, what does it look like to hire a consultant? What should that RFP look like? Who should be on the screening committee? So we've been having a, a series of meetings in the government operations rules and claims committee, which is chaired by Councillor Simmons. Um, we've been having pretty regular meetings on this topic and trying to move through um, all of those things. Really right now it's about like, what does the process look like? How do we get a consultant? How do we design the RFP to get the result, the consultant that we want? And then who should be on the screening committee? So we had the meeting this past week, which was mostly around, you know, who's going to be on the screening committee. Um, and, you know, I've, I've worked on search searches in the past. You've worked on a search. It's pretty formulaic, this like screening committee. It's like three residents, somebody from the business community, somebody from the school, somebody with municipal finance, you know, like there's, you know, 19 to 20 different category or, you know, 15 categories. And to me, I think we have like this tremendous opportunity right now, right? Like we can say, okay, there needs to be like 19 to 23 people on the screening committee looking through those resumes um, that the search firm is going to go out and, and seek nationally, right? There's going to be all these resumes. This group of people is going to look at all those resumes and decide who out of those resumes are going to be the finalists that the community and the city council and the department heads all get to look at and weigh in on, like, who do we want to be the next leader of the city of Cambridge, Massachusetts? My feeling, and I said this at the meeting, was we just lived through this COVID-19 pandemic, which really starkly showed us the vulnerable residents of our community and how close to the edge they were and what they needed over the last 18 months. As we come out of this, or as, as we try to do this equitable recovery, I think it's gonna be really important for us to choose the next leader of Cambridge that will truly understand and have a lens of experience of what it's like to have been vulnerable or worked with vulnerable com communities and residents that deeply understands how impacted they were, are, and will continue to be. And in order for that to happen, in order for us to find someone like that, I think more people who have been impacted over the past 18 months should be at the table. You know, we're saying three residents, but what does that mean? three out of 20 or so people, that's not a lot. And I, I think we're gonna, I think we're missing a tremendous opportunity to flip the script here and say, you know what, we're gonna have 10 residents and you know, seven of them are gonna be 
uh, essential workers living in public housing have lost their job, right? Like, I think there's a way for us to say, you know what, this is the old playbook. We need a new playbook to find a new city manager, someone who can do this job, but understand that we are two Cambridges right now. Right, the live reality is what's actually what it's like. No, I, I think I totally, you it was such a good point. And I think we all really agreed with that. It was, you're so on point with that. And I think we both agreed on this when we were, we, could, we were texting each other, surprise. Um, and we we're like, these people need to get paid too. <laughs> I mean, a big right. part of it is like how I, I personally, if I'm going to be charged with finding people, like I'm not going to be able to find people who would do this for free. You know what I mean? If they're actually, we want them to be representative, want them to be diverse. Right. I mean, I've, I, I ran a search when we looked for Dr. Salim. The screening committee meets for two days, two days, middle of the work week, two entire days. <laughs> and if we're saying, here's lunch, <laughs> lunch, oh, I provided breakfast too. Um, yeah, if we're saying you have to take two whole days off, um, who's going to do that? And how, who are we going to, who's going to be at the table? And so I think we do need to provide financial assistance for those who, I mean, I certainly don't need to provide financial assistance for the, the Google representative who's going to be on, on, right? yeah. we could yeah, take yeah. Their, a personal day from work or whatever, or even consider it part of their work. Right. Exactly. But how, how do we provide a financial stipend for, for folks who I think we should we all think, right, should be at that table and looking very critically at like who this person is um, that is going to be representing and having like a huge outsized say of the direction of the city and what gets the resources and the attention um, of the entire city leadership team. Right, right. So more to come on that. Definitely, definitely more to come. There's, I, I feel like there's another meeting next week or the week after. It's no, it's not on my calendar yet, but I think we're supposed to um, have I'm the that. One who always doesn't know when the government ops meeting is because I'm actually not on the committee, which hey, is another yeah. sticking point for a lot of our colleagues that um, you know, this, we, yeah. we all go to the meeting. Um, we are not voting members, and so you know that's frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've, um, as we wrap up, there's a couple of events this weekend we wanted to talk to you guys about. Yeah, um, there's one um, tomorrow uh, that my office has been, uh, is a co-sponsor. Um, it's called Rock, Remembering Our Cambridge Kids and Kin. Um, it's going to kick off its first annual You Are Not Alone, A Healing Journey um, in honor of Rochelle Robinson. And this is really the, you know, the idea of uh, Rochelle's mom, Celia Wilcox. Um, and so I wanna just really, you know, lift up her and um, she wanted to do this. And, um, uh, you know, as some of you may know um, and some of you may not, Rochelle um, Robinson was killed in 2018. Um, and um, this, Really, um, her, her, her mom, Celia, has um, really seen a gap of resources that exist 
in Cambridge um, to kind of fill the gaps and support for those who are grieving. So Ashley Herring as well, Blackyard, um, she's also sponsoring the event with um, other activists um, to come together. And so that's gonna be at Dennehy Park, um, 166 New Street. Um, and yeah, so it's from two to six, so definitely drop by. Um, I'm definitely gonna go. I have um, something to do between two and four, but then I'll stop by um, and, and support. That's Councillor Simmons on Monday night was talking about how she lost her son Mm. And she was talking about the the wailing mothers, the wailing mothers, and I just like it, Monday night was so off. It was just so hard, so hard. Yeah. Thinking about all these these moms, their families, everybody who has lost people to to violence here in the city. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely definitely be there. Um, the next thing that we need to talk about, please mark your parent calendars because Port Pride Day is coming up soon. It's coming up next Saturday, August 14th, at a, starting at 11 a.m. at Clement Morgan Park on 60 Columbia Street. Uh, residents should expect school closures around the park, but in addition to the annual basketball tournament and designer bingo, this year's event will also include that Vax bus that I was talking about earlier. Yeah. It's really exciting. This is always a really fun event. There's good food, um, happy people, like just a chance to get out and meet neighbors and um, and really celebrate the port uh, and the amazing work that goes on there. You know, organizations like the Margaret Fuller Neighborhood House, the Pentecostal Tabernacle, right? There's just, it's, it's always a really, really fun event. So mark your calendars, August 14th, uh, I believe it's 11 to four, from at Marion Park at 60 Columbia Street. So those are a couple of the uh, events that are coming up soon if you know of any events that you'd like us to either shout out or come to please let us know you can tweet at me at a-m-m-a-l-l-o-n me at mayor siddiqui um, um at mayor siddiqui. oh at mayor siddiqui what's my twitter yeah at mayor siddiqui <laughs> um or you can always email us we are um always available always around happy to hear from listeners happy to hear from folks if there's something you as Want us to talk about we um would like to hear that too so please reach remember out remember when we had guests <laughs> lol oh my god we, we can have guests again we can go back to cctv um and have guests that would be fun yeah maybe folks can suggest a guest <gasps> suggest a, we should put out like a twitter poll suggest suggest a guest yeah okay but we'll we'll put that in our your ideas box and uh try to make that happen but Thank you as always for joining us and for catching up on all things Cambridge. Uh, we enjoy having you here. We're always happy to be talking to our listeners. And as we promised, we will try to be better about being here every week. Yes. Yes. So, all right. Happy. Um, have a great weekend, everyone. Hope you get some sunshine and go sunshine. enjoy yourselves. Some, sunshine, <laughs> some friends, some hugs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we will see you at next week. Bye. Bye.